So welcome everybody to this edition of the Purple Nights podcast. And this time around, I'm joined by James Buckman of the Canadian glam rock group Hot Apollo. Welcome, James, to the Purple Nights podcast. Thank you. Honored to be here. Excited. Yes, it's very uh it's 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 not often that I get to talk to unique artists such as yourself. So I'm I'm uh very interested in hearing your thoughts on on uh, performance and also on the role flamboyance plays in that as well. So, and we definitely know Prince was a flamboyant stage performer, especially early on his, in, in his career. And I know in the early 80s, he adopted a persona called the Rude Boy. So we can talk a little bit about that as we go along. But uh, James, why don't you tell me about your history as a as a musician and performer and how how Apollo got started? Uh, so there are a bunch of layers to that. Um, I, just, I remember like when I was a kid, uh, I mean, I, I always had that sort of a uh, classic problem of just like too much energy, which uh, it was is a bit of a theme like throughout my life. And like, but I didn't have um, a uh, a sort of codified outlet for dealing with that. So I like I would do things uh, like jumping up like during the slow moment in class at school and just like bursting into song on my table, uh, which you know got me in trouble with teachers and stuff. But like you know, just something I got like a charge out of, you know. Um, and I, I didn't realize that that was at the time that that was well maybe I did I don't know on some level. But uh, that was clearly going to set me up to be um, uh, a singer later in life. Like, that was always, on some level, what I was meant to do. Uh, now, around, like, high school kind of area, um, after being in a, a few bands that went nowhere because no one else seemed to have the ability to sustain the level of dedication and drive that uh, art takes, um, I just I just focused on poetry for a while uh, because I could do that by myself um, without relying on other people who can potentially disappoint. But of course, later, you know, you learn that anything uh, worth going after uh, always carries the risk of disappointment. You know, uh, it's 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 like love in that way. I think, you know, you've got to wade through a lot of bad dates before, you know, you find uh, that that romantic connection you're you're seeking kind of thing and i think music's the same way musical partnerships um yeah so uh i i I decided to give it another go um for for a few reasons like first of all there's a whole thing where like making it uh in any sort of material sense in the in any art in in, well the music industry specifically um you actually like very lucky to make like any real sort of money from it but if if you're just like a poet, you can be that lucky and still need a second job. So uh, for that reason by itself, you know, music's a, a slightly better bet. Um, but also just uh, I I, lo- I still write poetry and I still want to like uh, like publish um, professionally at some point. But there's a charge I get from being on stage and performing uh, like rock and roll that is not uh matched in any way by uh poetry or really any other kind of 
uh, performance. There, I appreciate all of it, all types of performance and engaging in it um, on different levels, but getting up on stage and singing my words with electric guitar uh, is a feeling like no other. And uh, it's, I, it's, it's what I have to, it's, it's what my life's direction is. It's what my life's purpose is. So uh, yeah, that was a sort of circuitous, multifaceted uh, summary of my journey towards uh, rock and roll frontmanship. Okay. Okay, yeah, and I would agree. Music is an exchange of energy, right? It's the exchange of energy between the artist and the audience. And there's 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 not really a a thing you can compare to the th the thrill of live performances, putting your energy out there and having it reflected back to you by the audience, right? So that's a great that's a great way to uh experience energy experience the flow of energy between artists and audience so so when did you actually start start up hot apollo then how did that come about so first i just want to say that that was a great way of putting that the the flows of energy between that, that was very beautiful um and, and thank accurate. you so much um but uh so I there's this kid there's this guy on my on the street I grew up on he was he was a neighbor friend and he went to um art school uh near me um after after high school and he met this guy and he kept saying like James you've got to meet this guitarist I uh I think you guys would get along so well I think he'd be a sort of good counterpart to to what you're trying to do when I was like first starting about getting back first starting to think about getting back into music and uh he kept trying to set up meetings between us and over the course of like several months like at least two or three seasons those every meeting fell through um and then finally we happened to meet on april fool's day and within a half hour we'd written our first song uh which is actually actually just went into the studio to record it for our next album um a few weeks ago uh but yeah that was the first song we ever wrote together and uh like since then I was in. Um that was that was the sort of genesis of Hot Apollo. Um and uh and I just I've never looked back. Like as soon as I, I got in I just thought, all right, cool, I'm locked in. This is for better or worse, like this is what's happening. This is my life now. Very, very nice. I'm I don't know about you, James, but I'm the type of person that I believe there are really no coincidences i believe things happen for a reason and a purpose and the fact that your meetings were you know previously delayed several times and then it just happened to work out just like that is kind of uh beautiful in a way because it kind of shows the the power of the universe and destiny and fate and all that coming together for you know to to realize a dream so i can I can definitely resonate with that. And it's very, very cool how that came to be. Well, how would you describe the music you make with Hot Apollo? Um, I, I tend to describe it as an extension of my being, you know? Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's music that sounds the way I feel, the way I look. Um, it's, it's shiny, it's sparkly, it's outrageous, flamboyant. Um, uh impossible to ignore you know uh and, and and it's also uh 
I've been told sometimes that I have a very like a, a sort of voice when I speak that's like hard to place. Um, and uh, especially when I sing too. And I think that's that's sort of true of our music. Like people try to make comparisons um, between our music and, and and historical acts, and uh, they like it's it's never like quite uh, it, it's never, it's impossible to do with any sort of precision. Um, and I think that speaks to the uniquity of our of our sound. It's like you know you can you can probably like relate it to aspects of other things. But the the whole um, of our sound is very specific to uh, Hot Apollo, um, and uh, I, I think that that's sort of I, I'm, I'm pleased with the fact that that happens so naturally. You know, in the way I, in the way I sing, in the way uh, I, I helped like write the the songs, and just the way um, even the way like I my lyrical voice uh, comes out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I that talk about destiny. I think that. The fact that that just like flowed so naturally is one of our greatest strengths as a band. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And I would say that just by, uh, you know, checking out your work very briefly, I would say that there's no, there's no really way to qualify it or quantify it, you know, being like any one particular thing, you know, there's elements of, of different acts that I could definitely see in there. There's elements of, David Bowie, certainly. There's elements of, uh, you know, 80s new wave bands like Oingo Boingo. And the Cars, who I love. Uh, Working on Love, the track that I'm going to do a preview of at the end of this podcast for all my viewers and listeners, uh, really made me think of the Cars quite a bit. And the Cars are one of my favorite new wave 80s bands and just the melody of it made me really think of the uh the cars and your vocal cadence as well made me think really really uh think of rick okasic in a in a really cool way so that was really cool um that's probably my favorite song of yours that i've heard so far but i'm sure there's a whole rabbit hole i could go down and check out your stuff but yeah i really think it's a really unique sound and and uh good for you man for going after your dream and expressing your creativity and expressing who you are through music and lyrics as well but yeah, see that's the, the, those comparisons you made like that's what i'm talking about like when people like make comparisons like they, they it, it it's rarely like the same one. It's always like something different. Like I've never heard comparisons to Oingo Boingo um, or the cars before, but yeah, I think I can see what you're saying. Um, so that's like interesting. Everyone like, like I think maybe it's because every, like everyone's hit by a different aspect of her music or whatever. Um, right, and and right. it hits every person differently. And it's like people like pull out these wild uh, points of reference and it's always surprising. And, and like also interesting to hear um what jumps out at different people right um right. yeah but i i think that's the 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 mark of of great art in a sense is that you know it could it could defy genres it could de defy defy you know labels and just sort of be its own thing or a hybrid of of many different things and i think that's the mark of 
of great art. So I, in that sense, I really uh, respect what you do because it's unique and it's original and it's different and it's unique to you, which is very, very special because I always, you know, I, champ I champion the individuality of artists. And uh, like for me, when I was younger, I wanted to be a, a writer. I wanted to write novels, but uh, I've struggled with, you know, depression and feelings of inadequacy my whole life because uh, it basically stems from the fact that I have, I was born three months premature and I have cerebral palsy. I'm in a wheelchair. Um, I can't walk. So I've always felt self-conscious and really afraid of failure and really afraid to put myself out there. And it's been like these past two years have really been a, a period of great growth for me. And, and this podcast is a big part of it too, talking to people who are passionate about music and passionate about, you know, their own independent spirits and passionate about, you know, have, putting their voices out in the world to communicate, you know, things that are uniquely them and, you know, communicating their heart and soul in a way that's unique to them. So I really appreciate that and really resonate with it. So uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. And I thought we could talk a little bit about what uh, what Prince means to you in terms of uh, of an independent artist. Like you said, you know, before we uh, got on the show, you said his willful expression of flamboyance i believe is 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 close to how you put it can you talk a little bit more about how that inspires you and feeds into your own personal sense of creativity and expression uh yeah totally now first of all i do want to say that like feelings of inadequacy and, and insecurity uh are almost intrinsically tied to uh artistry like um on some of it, at least i mean i can say that there have been times in my life when m like my art was the only thing i was sure of and apart from that i was like totally down on myself um so like art, art was like basically my savior in that in, in those instances but anyway so i do want definitely want to commend you on like uh finding the courage uh and strength like put your voice out there by this this platform um so that's huge and also i do i do want to maybe talking about this later but i'm curious if i do novel um what kind of stuff do you want to like do with that but anyway yes um prince um yeah i just i, mean, I remember like just like seeing even like clips of him when i was like a very little kid and uh again he just he, he stuck out as one of those people um who was like no other person i'd seen he was like uh basically unmistakable um as as the person he was and uh i think there was something striking about a sort of duality i, I noticed in him like uh mainly i think I, I think i remember catching purple rain uh the movie on television when i was like a really little kid and uh i think i walked in during the middle of it and the first scene was I think he was in his apartment or like backstage 
it, it's been like a long time since I since this like you know early memory, but uh, he was he was like very like soft spoken, um, and he seemed to be uh, just like quietly working through some kind of neurosis. But then like he pops up on stage, uh, and he's this like beacon of uh like electric energy um and and like the entire like uh venue is is like feeling it and, and captivated by it um and uh that that sort of uh like multifaceted uh persona that like really like made me curious and uh, i think that that was like the first uh time i, I like remember like consciously like wondering about what this guy's uh deal was and uh and i you know that that start i think that might have been what started me on the path like looking into it yeah and um to to kind of go off that i mean as i alluded to earlier earlier in his career like pre-purple rain prince would do things on on stage um you know um suggestive body movements and dancing and stuff like that and allusions in his lyrics to to sexual acts to to just sort of push the envelope and see what he could get away with as a young artist looking to express his individuality and also just to simply to shock people do you think that's a do you think that's an intrinsic part of artists is to sort of shock people and get them talking in a way so i don't know that i would say that art has to set out to do that but right. i think one of the i think it's almost a prerequisite um of an artist to be willing to uh transgress anything if that is what the piece requires, you know, like, okay. uh, like I, I, at least that's, that's how I, that's how I approach it. Like I'm always going to make art that is like the most honest manifestation of what I feel and what that piece is supposed to be. Uh, and I can't let that be bound by, uh anyone else's restrictions structures or rules you know it has to be what that piece wants to be and uh if if some people react uh with with shock um or even like revulsion like that's none of my concern because I, my task is to make the piece what it's supposed to be right so you you're looking at it basically on a on a piece by piece basis, or do you think, as a whole, an artist's body of work uh, can represent? Uh, what do I want to say? What am I getting at? Uh, can represent a way of pushing the envelope as a whole body of work, or do you think it's normally on a piece by piece basis, or do you think it's like a maybe a blend of both at times? Um, I think that, you know, a big part of a lot of, a lot of artists is, I mean, a, a lot of artists 
that anyone's heard of are heard of because they were making something new. And whenever you're making something new, there are inevitably going to be people who uh, don't respond uh, with immediate uh, warmth to it. Like it is an instinctual feature of the animal brain to be wary uh, of of what is unfamiliar. Um, So if you you are doing that as an artist, there are going to be people who don't dig it. I mean, listen, I'm not actually very good at reading people, but like, even when I'm just walking around the city with like a friend or something, like sometimes they'll tell me, hey, like those, that, that person over there is really giving you like a dirty look. Um, that person is like, just like shooting daggers into your soul. And I don't notice, but they, you know, I'm, I'm told that. And it's, you know, it's because of the way I present. It's because some people are, are let, even in a big city like Toronto, um, there are people who don't think people should look like me. Um, and, right. uh, and, and, and it's because we're, you know, I'm, I'm something that they don't, uh, encounter so consistently and something that's not familiar to them i'm not something that's part of their world so they see right. me and and you know that sort of animal uh like uh brain like uh instinct kicks in and they uh they they react as they do um and I, that's just because you know i'm unfamiliar and i think the same is true of ours um but as i am willing to yeah it's the same the way i approach my own life is the same way i approach art it's like i've got to be always willing to be true to myself and true to my art. And uh, so, you know, inevitably, when that's something people are familiar with, uh, there are going to be a few people who who aren't feeling it, you know, and that's, and they're going to respond with, with some form of uh, negative emotion, but that, that is really on them. And, and right. no artist or person should let that stop them. Right, right on. And I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a quote that Prince gave, I believe, in the mid-80s, and I don't know it exactly word for word, so I'm paraphrasing, but what he said was basically, uh, my responsibility is the hardest one, and that's the responsibility to be true to myself. So that speaks to exactly what you're saying, James, is you want to, in your art and in everything, you want to be true to yourself uh, true to the message that you want to put out there and and yeah I really respect that and I'm really growing into that myself you know I've had I've had you know people stare me down as well for because I I look different and I present different because I you know because of my disability and so I I totally uh, resonate with that and empathize with that but it's like if you know, Prince's attitude also was if people come along for the ride and if they dig it, that's cool. If they don't, that's cool too. You know, all you can do is is be true to yourself and be true to your your soul and be true to your vision. So did you want to say something? Yeah, so that second quotation makes a lot of sense to me. Um, that's that's uh, quite in line with my philosophy. The first one... Um, is actually quite surprising, especially from Prince. Because um, I, I will say, so uh, he said it was the hardest responsibility. Um, right. For me, the hardest thing that I could imagine doing would be uh, hiding myself or, or, or compromising myself. Like, I, I mean, 
on on the rare occasions in the past when I've tried to like get like a sort of normal day job uh, that required or or at least Im, Im, uh, implicitly requested a sort of toning down of the person I am, uh, it was basically impossible. Like I, I tried and I was not good at it. Like people saw right through and it felt incredibly uncomfortable uh, e even in the attempt. So like the idea of, of like not being fully uh, myself at all times uh, is, is the hardest thing I could imagine doing. And it's not something I would like to do. So, and then um, maybe I'm projecting, but uh, I, I I think I, if, if you'd asked me, I think I would have expected Prince to be closer to that than to say that it, he had to like fight to be himself. But I, I mean, I don't know when he said that. Maybe he said that at a far earlier stage of his life or um, something. But yeah, so that's actually very interesting to hear um, I, about Prince. Believe, but, you know, he did I, anyway. I believe he did. I believe he said it in the early 80s. So it would be just a few years into his career before Purple Rain and all that. So I'm sure, I'm sure, like all of us, he changed and, you know, grew and evolved over time to to sort of, uh, you know, be be more authentic to himself and, and uh, you know, be more authentic to what his, what his soul was telling him to do and be, um, which is, you know, one of the major life lessons I've learned from Prince and still continue to learn. And I also learned it from artists such as yourself, James, is, you know, you have to, you have to be true to yourself. You have to put yourself first in a way that you're you're loving yourself. You're putting your best self out there for people to see and engage with. And if they dig it, that's okay. If they don't dig it, that's okay too. As long as we're true to ourselves, that's the most important thing we can do. So yeah. I really, I really believe that. And uh, yeah, that's that's why Prince has been a huge inspiration to me. He has a lot of the qualities. Well, some of the qualities that I actually see in myself, as far as the uh, the the way with words and the way with lyrics and poetry that Prince had with his lyrics, um, I like to think that I can express myself rather eloquently and succinctly and artistically and um, you know but he also possesses qualities that I wish I had or that I aspired to like you know that that boldness that being uniquely uniquely him and, and that that willingness to stand out and and push the envelope and you know basically not care what anybody else thinks uh, as long as he's being true to himself and true to the artistic vision that he has for his for his art so yeah he's been a very inspirational artist to me and are there any other ways that you can think of that Prince has really uh, been an example to you um Hmm. I one of the things I like about him, and you know, maybe this speaks to that that progression we were talking about, where he was initially, uh, perhaps due to circumstances, 
um, more reluctant to be himself. It was, it was harder for him initially, but like later in life, he was like completely suited to uh, living in a sort of slice of the world of his own making, you know, um, right. where like it wasn't, he wasn't struggling to uh, be true to himself in a world created around him. He was using the force of his own unadulterated self to uh, shape the world immediately around him into one where he was a natural fit. And, you know, like, right. cause a lot of the stories I've heard about him were in his later life. Um, and, uh, someone, someone once said that like, he was in, he was playing a show in like Detroit or something. Um, and after the show, it was like two in the morning and he asked for like, uh, someone to bring him a, a giraffe or something in the way that someone might ask for someone to bring him a pizza. Um, and it, <laughs> it was because he didn't quite grasp why uh, anything should be denied him and why there would be any reason for which a giraffe could not be delivered to Prince at two in the morning in Detroit. Um, and I think yeah. that speaks to uh, his embrace of um, the force of one's own unadulterated personality, you know? Um, right. Cause if, if you like are, like if you if you cease to be what other people want you to be, um, even if that's just someone who fits into the world everyone else loves, lives in, uh, then you can become um, something greater, you know. And in his case, he became, uh, you know, a, a legend, really. And and he he achieved the ability to to create his own slice of the world. And that world was one in which uh, it would not be too far outside of the bounds of reasonable expectation to think that a giraffe at two in the morning in Detroit would be something uh, that could be asked for, you know? Um, so that like, that, that is a sort of, uh, that, that's something that like makes a, a sort of sense to me and seeing him live out there like that uh, reinforces um, some of the ways uh, I, I, I naturally think of the world. And, right. and like, what world I, I make around myself. Right, like creating and manifesting your own reality. He, uh, Prince, later in life, he urged everybody to, to you know, use their thoughts to create, create the kind of world that they wanted to live in, like you were saying, James. Like, that's what he did, and that's what he, um, you know, wanted for, for everybody else, especially creative people, especially uh, underrepresented and maybe, uh, you know, people that were looked down upon or looked at in a different way by society wanted people to be able to create their own world and manifest through thoughts and, and uh, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it speaks to what you're saying. He was able to create his own world in which he was the perfect fit. So yeah, that's that's another aspect to Prince that I really resonate with and really aspire to. Well, tell me what's next for for James Buckman and for Hot Apollo. 
Um, right now, so we just put out um, our first like full length album uh, recently. Um, we've, we've like we have a lot of stuff online wherever you find music, uh, iTunes, Bandcamp, Spotify, wherever we're on there. Hot Apollo is on there, um, and we've we've like had like music videos, singles, and stuff for a while, even an EP. But this is our first like full length, um, and it's uh, it's epic as hell. And like within a, like I think five days of releasing it. I was already back in the studio to start work on the on next year's album, um, so that's and I'm gonna I'm actually gonna be back in there tomorrow to, to continue. Um, so that's the next like that's probably the next milestone if I had to guess. Um, but uh, I, as of today, we were just uh, we we played um, a, a street show at a place called CDs on on Friday, and uh, today we just got booked in to play um, a place called Tale of the Junction on November fourth. If anyone's around the Toronto area. That's um, like our next immediate uh, landmark. But just um, in a sort of general sense, uh, Hot Apollo is all about pushing our glorious sound uh, and and sight um, into the furthest reaches of the cosmos, and uh, to let it to let it hit people as it will. And that, and uh, I I think in a lot of cases it's going to hit well. So. If you have, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I think there's going to be uh, at least something in that said you'll appreciate. So I, I definitely recommend um, checking us out. But yeah, it's I, it's it's something I can't stop. Um, so what's next for me is always going to be doing this, singing rock and roll uh, in, in the most honest, truthful, and uh, uh, flamboyantly epic way I I know how. Right on, right on. And are you going to keep going with your poetry as well? Yes, it's. I, I never. I've never stopped that either. There's even. Um, I. 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 I haven't like. Uh, really, because like music is like my main focus. I haven't really done much yet to uh, to seek out like professional publication. But um, a lot of selections from my written, written poetry are available on my personal website, uh, hotapollo.com. Um, so if you want, if you want to check it out, uh, there's, there's some good stuff on there. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, it's, I, I feel as though, uh, poetry is, is something that's much easier to, uh, sell and market, uh, even to publishers when you're famous for something else. Like you look at people like Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, like, the, you know, they're like the biggest names in poetry because, they're big names elsewhere. And so people think, oh, cool. We get to sell a book by, by Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen. Like, let's do it. What, oh, it's poetry? That's weird. Poetry never sells, but this will because it's by Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen. So uh, I think my pro- like first goal is to uh, make a name as a rock and roll singer, uh, and then that'll uh, make it far easier to just uh, publish uh, the, the written word uh, without too many uh, hoops to jump through. Okay, cool. Well, I know you guys, I promised you guys a uh, a clip of the Hot Apollo single Working on Love at the end of the podcast, and we're going to get to that shortly. But uh, before we do that, I'd just like to say to James, thank you so much for appearing on the podcast, and thank you so much for uh, talking with me. And if you want to talk outside of the podcast, we can certainly do that as well. I would like to continue uh conversing about you know uh artistic expression and all that because i think you're a very 
You're a very magnetic personality. You're very well-spoken, very intelligent. So I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a joy. Okay, thank you for having thank, me. Thank you so much. And this is Chris Johnson for James Buckman and myself. I'd like to say thank you for watching or listening wherever you're wherever you're partaking in this podcast. And we'll we'll see you next time, everybody. Peace and be wild. Bye-bye. Ship of your drive.